0: I've just paused on my drive up to the mountain top because there's an incredible vista on my left uh, looking down over the valley I described earlier about why the mountain range is known as the waterberg, and yeah you can just see the two large flay areas, marshy areas that have been created by underground aquifers waterways, so Even though it's incredibly dry in Marikele at the moment, there's two lush green marshy areas that follow the sort of contours of the the underground stream. And, yeah, it's down at least a kilometre below me. And that's uh, just a steep drop all the way down. So, yeah, I'd hate to sort of misjudge things and go over, over the edge. Then on my other side, it's not quite sheer cliff Immediately on my right-hand side, there's still a bit of, of slope, but then you hit the cliff line, but up close you get to see how sort of contoured and how many crevices and rocky outcrops there are, a sort of a real haven for cliff nesting birds and other things that are nimble enough to be able to scale the clip, cliffs, perhaps even the odd leopard. To me, as I, I'm getting pretty close to the the summit at the moment, is that there are some rhino droppings on the pathway. Mm. It's incredible that they've been inspired to follow the road this far up, and yeah. Now, up onto the plateau on top of the mountain, so contouring up the side of the cliff face is is a thing of the past, and still a little while to go, probably about a kilometre until I get to where the towers are, but yeah, no more big trees, and it looks like they had a fire here earlier in the year, the left hand side of the road. All the grass is, is freshly grown grass and you can see the sort of charred black bits to the side of it. Yeah, and what else can I tell you? A lot of rocks and boulders, it's just like a scene from from the moon. Uh, kind of what you picture is on, on the moon, just boulders and, and that sort of thing. Quite a remarkable scenery, nothing like the, the valley below. But what I wanted to say is that the temperature is only 26 degrees. Now, this time yesterday, it's about 9 o'clock in the morning as I speak, it was 10 degrees higher. So it just shows the difference in altitude makes on temperatures in the valleys below, sweltering, mid to high 30s, even over 40 in, in the sort of zenith of the day. But up here on the sort of rarefied atmosphere, on top of the mountain plateau, Not so bad. Yeah, so hopefully that'll make it quite pleasant for while I'm up here. Right, one of the vultures has just taken off. It's flying low, only about 10 meters above me at the moment. When I say fly, it's actually gliding. A real economy of Wingbeat and yeah, it looks as if it took off from the, the ground which is quite unusual and maybe there's some more that are still on the ground at the parking zone on the mountaintop by the towers. There's uh, one of the towers is probably about 10 meters in front of me and all the others are behind me. They're military towers or communication towers for the various people who look after that sort of thing in South Africa. And um, Most of them have got huge big dishes as you approach the top and the towers in themselves, anything over 100 meters Tall. So they're really taking advantage of the of the high altitude high altitude vantage point, but anyway, that's not really our concern up here. The, the spot is known as Lenong Viewpoint. Lenong is the local language word for vulture, and vulture viewpoint. You can get an idea with the great relief. There's a tremendous vista, and on top of that, there's just. Uh, with a nearby colony, so many vultures using the thermals to glide past us. So at any one time you can see anything from a couple to probably up to close to 50 of the birds. It um, really is spectacular. One of the interesting things about being on any mountain top anywhere in the world is that the wildlife seems to have an unnatural curiosity and they are hence very tame, particularly uh, birds, but also little things like sangi, and uh, sangi is the type of animal. It's like a mouse, uh, but it's not a mouse. It's uh, an insectivore, um, and yeah, they're very tame and they come right up close to you. And at the moment, we've got uh, buff street chats, cape rock thrushes, cape buntings, and the like hopping around, and uh, yeah, they come much closer than than birds will will down at lower levels and uh, present some great photographic opportunity. Yeah, but if I get close to some of them later, I will describe them in more detail. I'm at the base of one of the bigger towers now. I cannot see the sign. I think it's a Telcom operated one. I think I do see the Telcom sign on the fence. But just to give you a, a mental image, the whole tower is fenced off with tall, two, maybe even three meter high fencing, steel poles, and then mesh. And then at the top, there's tangled, barbed wire to stop people scanning. It's in getting to the base of the tower. The tower itself is, I would guess, about 200, maybe 300 meters high. And it looks like it's made of concrete, but in a huge cylindrical tube. I would say the diameter of the tower is at least 10 meters, although looks can be deceiving, but I would say minimum 10 meters. And like I say, it's a cylindrical tube. And I don't think they have lifts inside so I imagine there's a huge spiral staircase because as you go up after about 50 meters there's a fence and a sort of veranda that goes all around the circumference of the, the tube where I guess one can get out and do inspections. I can see there's a door on that, it's called the landing. And then you go another 50 or so meters up and there's another one and only at that point do they start putting the satellite dishes and there's many of them of different sizes and different uh, angles and orientations Uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 that I can see and there's probably a couple more on the far side of the um, of the tower that are blocked from view And then, up top, where the dishes are, the circular platforms are a lot more regular. There's, from the second one, there's a third, fourth, fifth, and then a sixth one. And they're then spaced probably about five meters, maybe even more, apart. And again, with the safety fence around them, and the doors so that the technicians can get out and inspect the satellites accordingly. And then on the top platform, there is no more concrete and then there is a red and white and grey metal tower with antenna that goes up for probably another 50 meters and that's obviously maximizing the height to achieve some form of signal reading and you might be able to hear there's a, a generator or something going at the base of the tower it is fed by electricity there's a power line or a or a telephone line that stems directly from the base of the the tower. It would make sense it's a telephone line given that I think it's Telkom and it runs away and then ultimately over the edge of the the mountain down to the valley below and perhaps this is the source of all our telecommunications here in South Africa. I don't know that much about it. And the whole while while I've been talking the vultures are streaming past just catching the thermals, gliding, and all depending on the wind speeds is what speed they go at. There's one drifting now from left to right, probably about 100 metres above the ground and it's going slowly, slowly along and just relying on the thermals. And uh, a whole lot of little smaller birds around, smaller than the size of your fist. I see Cape Buntings, I see some streaky headed seed eaters. There's been bar-throated apalaces, Cape grass birds. What I'm actually looking for is a very special Drakensberg bird called a Gurney sugar bird. I haven't spotted any yet today but it's pretty much the only place in Limpopo province where you can find them. They are nectar feeders quite big probably about 20 20 centimetres long in body size and then it's got a tail which is even longer than that on top of that and they're mostly a a grey colour but they do have some oranges and yellows um, at the base of their, of their belly and sort of undertail, which um, gives it thing, gives it a and they've got a, a long curved bill that they use for probing into the uh, blossoms of flowers, proteas and that sort of thing. The protea you get here I think is called the sugar bush and yeah, has a rich sweet uh, nectar and that they like to feed on. So that's what I'm looking out for right now and I'll let you know if I see one. A little bit more information on the towers. I'm at the base of another one of them. And it's got a big sign saying S-A-N-D-F, South African National Defence Force, property. Site name is Rutuk, Unauthorised Access Prohibited. Then there's a second sign that uh, indicates that it's for Air Traffic and Navigation Services. Didn't think of that earlier. And then at the bottom it's got Technical Support, Johannesburg International Airport. Oh, So it obviously hasn't been updated since the airport changed its name to O-R-Tambo. And judging by the sign of the fence, which is a little bit rusted, the whole place could do with a bit of a makeover. As I described earlier, the fence is, I said, two or three meters. It's at least four or five. And then it's got the barbed wire at the top. uh, Quite vicious stuff uh, with sort of razor blades. All along that, to stop people getting in, yeah, quite a formidable edifice. Now had a signboard that's new since last I was here that has been put up by South African National Parks in conjunction with the Lepidopterists Society of South Africa. Lepidoptery is the study of butterflies and moths and it seems that it's not only the birds that are a special attraction of up here on top of the Waterberg but there's also a type of butterfly that's found only here. It's called the Kranzberg Widow that name Dingane Geronai. Now, Krantzberg was the original name for Marakele. it means cliff mountains and uh, yeah, it has been replaced by the African name Murakele which means place of sanctuary and let me read you what it says about the Krantzberg widow. Description. The Krantzberg widow is a very distinctive butterfly. It is dark, matte brown on top, with cream bar on the forewing. There are two pale center, centered eye spots or ocelli on the forewing and a row of orange edged eye spots on the hindwing. The underside is slightly lighter in colour with less pronounced eye spots. The female differs from the male by having a fatter abdomen and the whitish grey marking on the underside of the hindwing. Behaviour These big browns, hence the name for brown butterflies. These big browns can be seen flying around the top of the mountain where they fly amongst the tufts of grass. They often settle on rocks or occasionally perch on flowers for nectar. The best time to view them is early in morning. Distribution. The Kranzberg widow is only found near the Kranzberg mountain near Tabazimbi and nowhere else in the world. They are confined to the slopes near the top of the mountain and are rarely found lower down flight period. November peaking during mid November and occasionally flying into early December. So it being now the 13th of November we're kind of in the perfect time for them and I can see lots of them flying around as I chat, as I speak. The life history these butterflies feed on grass. The females seldom settle to lay their eggs but release them while flying over the suitable food plant. The larvae, the caterpillar, the grass but it takes them 11 months to pupate and after about 2 weeks the pupae emerge into adult butterflies. Conservation. The endemic Kranzberg widow is listed as rare because of its restricted range, although part of the butterfly's range falls within Marikela National Park. Special effort is being put in to ensure that the species can survive and that the populations remain healthy. There you go, that's the Kranzberg Widow. I'm going to try and photograph one. On the descent back down the mountain, and I wish I knew more about the geology and how mountains form to be able to give you more information. But looking across the other side of the valley to another mountain there's an amazing layering of um, rock where it looks like layering and I don't know if it's created by upheaval, volcanic activity, pressure from below but there's definite lines running all along the contours of, of the mountain but higher on the left and sloping downward to the right with the the mountain as it goes down the valley. don't know what else to say about it really, but uh, it's very interesting. Maybe I'll do some research and let you know. If you suffer from vertigo, this drive is not for me, for you. Uh, Because I'm on the descent, I'm on the um, right hand side of the road which is the same size as the drop zone and it's steep, man it's steep, it's almost vertical going over the side going down for a kilometre until you get to the valley basin what a wonderful bird's eye view, I know, I know what it feels like to be an eagle or a vulture soaring along and yeah hopefully we'll see some little goodies before we get to the bottom. There's not too much game up in these parts. Uh, The attraction's more the scenery, the bird life, the vegetation, the geology. But um, yeah, occasionally you see something. At the moment I've got a herd of zebra. At about two o'clock. From the vehicle, one, two, three, four, five, six, only six of them, so a small herd, and uh, just going about their daily business.